Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Don't say you never get anything for free. You can get a free 30-day trial of Love Film, the one-stop shop to rent films and games online simply by going to thefootballramble.com slash lovefilm. Films and games by post, or you can stream films on your PC, TV, PS3, and now on your iPad. To check the terms and conditions, find out more, and claim your free trial, go to thefootballramble.com slash lovefilm now. Your glasses up to the brim, ladies and gentlemen. It's the football ramble. My name's Marcus, and Luke's with me. All right. So's Jim. Hello. But Pete's still not. Mm. But he'll be back very, very soon. Not in this show. No, but he will be back next week. But he might turn up. And you never know with that one. Now then, we have a question from Joe Burgess, and he says Alan Partridge told us that he'd like to take Sean Connor around a wild fowl park with a bottle of scorch. <laughs> now, my, my question to the Ramblers is: If you could take anyone from the world of football out on a day trip, who would it be, and where would you take him? Joe says, personally, I'd like to take Gigi Bacali to an Appleby to the Appleby Horse Fair because I'd like to see him literally try and force a gypsy back up his mother. Touching sentiments over the day. I'm sure we can all get on. If board, you remember yeah. that Gigi Bacali quote, of course. Uh, so, uh, who would it be, and where would you take him, Luke? Um, I think that uh, I'd like to take uh, Lauren Koscielny yes. mm. back to Jurassic Park. Ah, <laughs> clever girl. I know, technically speaking, it's a fictitious place, but uh, it was filmed in Hawaii, and apparently the, the, gate, the gates are still there. All oh, right. right. Um, so you can go there, and I think Lauren would love it. I'd, I'd, what I'd do is I'd take him in, mm. I'd stick an arsehole shirt on him, mm. but I'd have him, the rest of him naked, just yeah. to get an arsehole shirt. <laughs> Maybe get a frill. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think he'd be that sort of dinosaur. <laughs> Put him, um, yeah. go through the gates, Pop him over one of the fences and go off. You go, son. Yeah, I watch him just go off, just gallop. Yeah, it's the it's the way he stands, isn't it? It's something about his posture that makes him look dinosaur-like. It's amazing. It's, it's, amazing. it's a beautiful thing <laughs> yeah. to behold. He's thirty-three percent dinosaur, thirty-three percent chicken, thirty-three percent man, and one percent defender. Yeah. Um, what though? What if you proposed this idea to him and he declined? What would you say? Damn! <laughs> yes, <laughs> good, correct answer, Jim. Uh, well, what I would do, right, is I would um, I would learn to drive and then take my car up to Blackburn, where I pick up Steve Keane. Right, we'd we'd just we'd go, we'd have a nice day out. We'd, I'd take him for lunch somewhere, one of those sort of one of the sort of hotels actually, or one of those sort of restaurants you, you, that Steve Coogan and uh, Rob Bryden went to in the trip. Oh, yeah, you know, nice one of those really yeah. lovely sort of country Same places. Of the world Talk well. about how it's going, mm. stuff like that, and later know, like a movie too. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> unlikely um, so you know I'd, I'd just say yeah Steve you know it was rough for you last season but you seem to have turned things around you know uh, but you're not feeling a bit bad about all this dodgy stuff that's going to have a real sort of heart to heart with him sort of try and win his confidence then later on take him to a pub you know get him a bit tanked up then drive him past the job centre right get him to get out of the car then look around it and I'll say do the right thing and yeah. just drive off yeah I thought you were going to say you're going to drive him into the sea 
<laughs> I was waiting for that. It's a bit of a drama from Blackburn. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think it's a noble thing. You've taken mm. the day out and you thought I'm going to do a decent thing. Yeah, yeah. for Blackburn fans yeah. who right. I have no affiliation to. No, yeah. and again, it just proves um, what a wonderful how much character. he annoys me. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'd um, I'd like to take Raheem Sterling speed dating. <laughs> <laughs> Is it safe? Well, just safe for the women of Liverpool. Explain it. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we heard last week, didn't we, that um, Raheem Sterling has just got a third woman lady pregnant. A woman lady. Yeah, well, allegedly. <laughs> he's seventeen years old. Yeah, he's it's got incredible. two children from two different women, and a third is on the way. On the way. It's oh. Agbon Lahore esque. He, does, mm. he doesn't it's need. He doesn't better need, than that. He doesn't need speed dating, does he? It's the last no. thing he needs. <laughs> I've, I've got another r- answer written down here, uh, which just says. Uh, it, alternatively, just take Javino for an extra day's training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. shooting training yeah. be yeah. good. Yeah, he, he learned for it. Uh, I think um, I think Luke's got the points at Jurassic Park. Of course Clever he has. girl, of course he has. Uh, <laughs> we move on to the Premier League, where Liverpool lost at home to Manchester United two-one. Some some good scenes though, um, with regards to the Hillsborough yeah, stuff of beforehand. It was nice to see um, again, as we said last week, the, the sort of footballing world United mm. there. Uh, but unfortunately for Liverpool, they couldn't uh, win the game. Although they went one 0 up. Yeah, they did. Um, it's a real shame that the sending off happened at all John because um, Liverpool were on top. They, they, they looked like they were going to win that game. Mm. They really they stopped Man United from playing, and they they had a lot of momentum. It looked like there was only really going to be one winner at that point, and then Shelby's tackle kind of bit of madness it's a weird one it's a contentious one I can see why people are kind of aggrieved by it because I, I do think it was a sending off but I only think that having seen it sort of three or four times you know at first I was like mm, I, I don't quite know so obviously the referee's a difficult decision there um, but you know Johnny it did go in higher well yeah that imagine if he just sent them both off Mm. Yeah, that'd have been class. It's one of those things where the pundits were saying, you know, you should have taken a look at it, looking at, uh, should have taken a look at the situation and gone, like, you know, it's Liverpool, Man United. It's a heated game. If I do this, it's going to sort of really sort of almost ruin the atmosphere. It's like a referee cannot do that. No. A referee cannot sort of contextualise like that. A referee has to call it as they see it and play. By the way, it's a stupid thing to even suggest. To be honest, I think oh, so you but, see that happen a lot. You see a lot of com- commentators or co-commentators or pundits saying. Oh, the referee's got to be sensible there. Well, the player's got to be sensible as well. Yeah. You know, I know he wants to win a fifty-fifty in the middle of the park in a big game, but he's gone. You know, Evans wasn't completely blameless. One thing I would say though is Evans is always looking at the ball, and his studs aren't as high yeah. as, as, as Shelby's from what from memory. I've not seen if it. If Shelby again. hadn't gone in two-footed though, would have would Evans been sent off for that tackle? It's a it's a very very complicated one, isn't it? It's, I think you difficult. can make an argument for both of them to get a yellow. Yeah, in but, that situation. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, is it possible? That, could the referee have sent them both off? I mean, they, I wonder if that's ever happened. I can't remember an incident of it, no. apart from you know, but Evan, Evan Dyer and Bowyer. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, no, not quite. There's the obviously same, been yeah. more than one player set off at the same time, but I mean, for the same challenge, no, that's it's probably right. a bit more rare. But I, th- I think that you know, I know Shelby, as I said, wants to win, te- wins the t- win the tackle and, and set the set the pace and set the momentum because Liverpool were on top. I thought after about 15 minutes. Given the way their season's gone so far, it wouldn't be surprising if they dominated the open exchanges, dominated large parts of the game, and didn't take advantage of it. And mm. that's sort of exactly what happened, but it was complicated by Shelby sending off. And, okay, he wants to win the tackle, but he doesn't need to do that in there. There's, there's other protection around him. He doesn't have to shy out the tackle. He doesn't have to quite go in as full-blooded, because he really could have hurt someone. Mm. But admittedly, Evans could have possibly hurt him as well. But I thought Liverpool played very well, even with ten men. Yeah. You know, and it's just a shame for them that well, they went a goal up with ten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's just a shame for them that here we are talking again a game Liverpool should have certainly got something out of and could have won it, and they've not won anything. They haven't yeah, won a game. It's, it's easy to say that though, isn't it? But you know, the, t- the chance they had to get something out of it was against Man United with ten men. 
you know, it's... No, but what, no, but there's, what no, saying that, is, there's no shame on Liverpool no, no, for having no, course, lost no, that no, game. No, 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 I'm not having a go. I'm just saying it's a shame for them mm. that they've put mm. in another good performance and they've not got anything to show for their efforts. And this is what we were saying, that Liverpool have been playing very well and, and they'll be fine, but already they're, they're, they're a bit off the pace and they're, they're playing catch-up. Mm. And they've re- they've got to start winning. I know it's as obvious well, I thing think to say. Someone's in line for a battering off Liverpool. Yeah, you know, someone's going to get absolutely their arse is handed to them. So. I think I think Rogers what he, Rogers has got to earn his money now. He's got he's got to cons- because it's easy to, for players to, to get players to buy into your philosophy, buy into you as a manager. If you pick up points, if you win games, Rogers has got to earn his money now by saying, "Look, we're doing all right. Just keep doing what we're mm. doing. Keep the faith. The players need to keep faith as well, mm. and they'll yeah. start they'll start telling teams over. They really will." And also, as well, that was never a penalty. Absolutely ludicrous. Oh, the uh, Glenn Johnson the, challenge. Yeah. Yeah, the problem with that though is it, is that is that Johnson um, tackles on the halfway line, loses his footing, absolutely bombs it back. Does well, very well. He does well to get back, but it's the momentum that swings Halsey's decision because he flies into it, mm. and he, he obviously doesn't catch him that much. And Valencia's probably already on the way down, so it's a difficult one. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. Looking at that, I, I did but mate, not you, think you, you, we've seen it in slow motion. But it, it, at it, it the looks time, like no, even at the time, I thought that was not a penalty. Mm, okay, now yeah, fair enough. Uh, Raphael scored a lovely one. Oh, it's brilliant. Delightful little curl. On his wrong foot as well. Yeah, yeah. superb goal. Um, I, th- I thought Suarez's dive for a penalty, which he should have got. He actually should have got booked for. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, there was a bit, of, a bit of a touch on him. Um, but and as should Valencia, in my view. Oh yeah, fair enough. It was, it was it, for me. It was a dive, and, and it goes to show you actually that um, Suarez does look to be like the player most unlikely to get a penalty in the entire league. <laughs> yeah, it's it's <laughs> getting to the point where he he keeps diving. You think, why are you doing this, mate? It's yeah. obviously not going to work. All you're doing is just heaping more pressure on yourself. Well, if you're a good forward, it's not yeah, something that's mentioned that often. But if you're a good forward player, long term, it's not good for you to dive because you're never you're going to get a reputation and get a legitimate challenge. It's not the cried wolf thing. Mm. You'll not get the ta- you're not yeah. But in the same way, though, a defender can go in really, really hard and can put in some naughty ones and the referee thinks oh, alright every time he goes in he's going to foul well, yeah, the he's almost because it's the culture that you grow up in and it's the footballing culture you're used to I guess so. and Suarez has been uh, perhaps used to diving and, he, and it's worked in other places and so on and so forth and it's hard for him to break that sooner or later though a defender's not going to realise I can just kick the shit out of him <laughs> yeah. he's never getting a penalty <laughs> yeah, um, well that's true uh, ever put in a bit of a reckless one on the edge of the air as well mm. which was I don't think he knew much about whether that was in the penalty area or not. Well, uh, gonna, just outside the area. If you're going to mention Ever, what a handshake <laughs> between <laughs> him and Suarez, eh? So, talk us through it for people who didn't see it. Well, they lined up like they do. The people living out under rocks. They, li- they lined up. Basically, the, the Premier League is going to be turning next season. I don't people know. It's going to be. They're just going to do handshakes. That's no right. football. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just handshakes. Uh-huh. And whoever does the best handshake gets the point. Correct. Quicker. So they lined up as they did, and they were going along. And Suarez strode up quite confidently to Ever. Likewise, as well. Both went in for it. Both handshaked and then just carried on like normal. Mm. So um, incredible textbook things. revelatory. Incredible scenes, but um, Manchester United it's a shake of the season. It's a <laughs> shake of the it's season. It's a half hour special on Tuesday night, Sky Sports One, <laughs> presented by um, uh, Ed Chamberlain. Mark Hughes. Mark Ed, Ch- Ed Chamberlain's <laughs> very serious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I like yeah. it. I think it's a good. Even presenter. Mark Hughes, because Mark Hughes' special subject. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Um, it was a great win for Manchester United, though, nevertheless, and uh, and they uh, march on their neighbours. The noisy neighbours of Manchester City drew one all with Arsenal. They went one 0 up through um, Lescott and Koscielny equalised. Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal, they look great at times. They should have won the game. Jovino had a chance late on. It was just 
blasted over the bar. He had the option to pass to Giroud. He should have should have shot, but um, should have shot better yeah. so that it was a mm. goal at the end of it. Um, <laughs> it was it was yeah. Arsenal was touch in the first half. Uh, yeah, he had a really really heavy touch in the first half as well. But you know, when, when I say they should have won the game, they had a clear opportunity at one or near the end. Like, yeah. You know, there's no chaos theory in that. It's a better one to um, Yeah, and it's Arsenal were excellent again. They've they've really really they're, confident. Yeah, they're, they're confident and defence looks a lot more solid. I thought Mertesacker and uh, Koscielny were excellent. Koscielny's not really played much this season so far because Vermaal and Mertesacker have you know, got a good partnership going on. It shows the sort of there's some more strength in depth there as well. The Sanya to come back yet as well. Of course, Jack Wilshire's back to training as well. Jack it's it's looking yeah. good for us. I think everyone will be keen and, and anxious to get Sanya fit in time for the transfer window. Indeed, because um, obviously we're doing one. Um, a joke for you there. Y- y- Arsenal conceded Wouldn't again. Open with it. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal conceded again from a set piece. Mm. Well, we um, uh, Luke, was it you were saying you'd heard somebody? Say no, Marcus. That, oh, it was Marcus. Yeah, I you were saying Tony, Adam, Tony Adams on goals on Sunday was talking about Arsene Wenger's um, training methods and, and whatnot compared to George Graham's. And Wenger was much more, you know, you go out there and express yourself and, and, and encourage that. Whereas was was George Graham, of course, was discipline and systems mm. and all that. And he, <coughs> excuse me, he said that Tony Adams said Arsene Wenger never practiced or rehearsed set pieces. That, I wonder if that's still the case. You can imagine with Steve Bold being involved, it probably isn't, or you would hope it. I don't think it's true. I simply don't think yeah, it's but true. That seems crazy. Well, well, I, I, mean, I once got well, an Adams email. hasn't hasn't that sorry Adams hasn't played there for a few years. Of course, yeah. But it. Some, you know, why but is that you know, that, so so often I think when Arsenal have a corner, I worry about them conceding a yeah. goal from the sort of from the breakaway. But then saying that this season, that's completely irrelevant because they've they've shored it up a lot more. Maybe that is what Bold's done. Maybe but, that's what he's, he's implemented. Well, just that, yeah. simple basic things like that. When he says they don't rehearse set pieces, he might mean that they don't go through them a lot. You know, he'll you know Wenger will say pick up height for height, or you you stay there, you go in there, mm. blah 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 blah. But they don't really go through. Well, they, no, they just seem. The reason that you could argue that it may be true is because they seem to marks only. So they'll all they'll probably go through it and they'll know the positions they're marking in, mm. and then they'll just know to stand there for defending corners. Exactly, but no matter who the opposition. Well, in a way, if you're marking the same for yeah, City if, or Swansea, yeah, you know? if you're marking only, mm. then surely you don't need to go through much, do you? Well, maybe that, no, surely marking only is harder. You've got to be much more drilled on it because you don't have the obvious, you know, kind of marker of a man to, to stay on. Yeah, maybe. I don't think it's true because I think Tony Adams in the, in the past has said a lot of stuff, which is a little bit really, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a bit mad sometimes. I once yeah. got an email from um, him. So, no, no. <laughs> well, someone had got hold of his scouting uh, shortlist on an Excel spreadsheet, and it had his comments <clears> of all the players. It was when he was Wickham manager, yeah. and it was it was a delightful insight into the mind of a maniac. <laughs> some of it, some of it says like stuff like one of the players was like a winger, and it just said um, I can't remember who it was now. It might have even been Scott Sinclair actually, right. it was way back in the day. Scott Sinclair winger comment icing on the cake. <laughs> It was stuff like that. It was a really bizarre sort of like Odd. abstract comments about players. So I think, but you know, it's his own mad. personal notes, though, isn't it? That's fair enough. If anyone went through my notebooks, they think I was a serial killer. Oh, it was a horrendous and I've only killed one person. It was a, yeah, it was a horrendous. <laughs> but you repeatedly killed them. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So I mean, it, it's in one sense, it's a good point for Arsenal. But Arsenal did concede there. a goal from a set piece. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, you know, in one sense. You, a goal down away to Manchester City it's not mm. a bad point I mean, a point's a good result but it's, yeah. it's I just think they more. could have won that game and Santa Casola seemed really delighted that they got a point I don't know whether that was just um, he and Mertesacker <laughs> were laughing about something else at the end of the game but he seemed to be celebrating a point it's like oh we could have won that game with Chelsea coming up next as well yeah that's a tough game but you're at home there still five minutes before the end though Jimmy there was Arsenal had a free kick and there was no one in the bar. Yeah, yeah. It they wasn't even that. It, I think it was an injury time. Yeah, there yeah. was a, there was sort of two or three players in there. It's no, the, that, there was about forty-five seconds left. 
Mm. And they had a free kick in a decent position and one or two Arsenal players in the box. Yeah. Surely you want Mertesacker up there. At know? least. Take him up there. Go for yeah. it. You know, it's it 45 seconds, a chance, you know. Yeah. I, I also think that um, <clears throat> with uh, Mancini, his, his record against Arsenal is quite poor. Mm. It is. So Arsenal may, I mean, Wenger may have even had half an hour winning that game. And, and the way they dominated the first half, they probably could have done. Yeah. Mm. They played very well. And, you know, the team was mixed up quite a bit. Ramsey started. I think this is possibly his first start of the season. I'm is it? Entirely sure, but he's not featured that much. And mm. uh, So it's, it's good. There's, there's, there are options at Arsenal. Well, Wilshire's training nice. again now, apparently. Yeah, the bench suddenly looks, looks very strong, mm. which has not been the case in a long time. Oh, going back to the Liverpool game, Darren didn't even make the bench, did he? Dropped, no. Completely dropped. No. Yeah. Well, Rodgers has said he might have a future at the club as a left back. It does not <laughs> That's not what you want yeah. to hear. No, it's not too encouraging, is it? Though. No, <laughs> no, not anymore. Yeah. Big veto and goal. Sorry, Big who are you again? You, you, you made a great point about Vito Manoni earlier. You said that um, he oh, looks like, uh, yeah, he looks like uh, an actor who's training to be in a part as a goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like a sort of a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a mob goalkeeper. If you'd ever <laughs> need such a thing, very much so. Mafia FC. Another Guy Ritchie movie, no yeah. doubt. Ooh. Be totally shit. <laughs> yeah. Again, Twitter, get on that. Cast that one for us. Come along now. Um, but yeah, City do have a poor record against Arsenal. Swansea have a poor record against Everton. Mm. And Everton uh, went down to Wales and won 3 0. Everton were absolutely magnificent to watch. They were a joy to behold. They were so vibrant. They were brilliant. They should have had far more against Swansea, but they just dicked on them yeah. for the entire game. And they were very unlucky, of course, when they drew with Newcastle. Mm. I, I, I agree with Jim. I think they, they started re- really well. They, they, they were sharper, stronger, just dominated them. They were much crisper in their passing. Yeah. Well, I think, Joe, you know it's, it's been the cracks have been papered over a little bit I don't want to be too reactionary about Swansea but they've lost players yeah. and they need to be careful at home to Everton okay Everton are a good team but Swansea teams have seemed to work have worked out that if Swansea don't have the ball they struggle a little bit they look a bit brittle don't they yeah they do and I think there's there's kind of an easy passage through the middle of them the, the midfield doesn't offer a lot of resistance in terms of sort of winning the ball back mm. and um, I think you know, you've, you're right they could struggle because teams have worked out how to play against them you know just press them hard so a bit basically. of second season syndrome maybe possibly I mean it looked like that wouldn't happen of course Loudrop's new to it as well so it's yeah. um, I mean jury's out obviously it's still very think? early days well I think that um, Swansea I think Loudrop coming in it, it is a bit of a change I mean he's got to it's a tricky one with Rodgers who had uh, implemented so many techniques and, and coaching methods and whatnot which was so successful from Martinez and Susan and stuff exactly so he's got to come in now what does Laudrup do you know I mean he's that type of manager anyway I think he's, he's happy to play that type of football but do you try and be a carbon copy do you try and actually we'll take a few bits out that um, Rogers did and I'll put a few bits in but does that unsettle the players and make them unhappy because they had such a great time under Rodgers mm. it's a very very tricky one now they went away to QPR and won spectacularly on the first day of the season but QPR were there for the taking and they were dreadful and yeah, Rob, Ge- yeah. Rob Green couldn't save anything uh, and they've had one or two other decent results you know West Ham at home for example mm. so I think they've had quite a, a few favourable ties and, and, and again a few goalkeeping errors and whatnot went their way so now when they're playing I mean Everton are a strong side you know and mm. each of his obviously a big fella you know and uh, Fellaini's yeah. a big intelligent you know all the things you want in a footballer and they and, and Everton have clicked yeah. and they are ju- I mean the, the way they're going you know they could be you know in the top four for the next sort of five games or something yeah. so I just think Swansea they had a good start and maybe they thought oh we're going to be okay and a few bigger games a few bigger tests and whatnot and yeah, there, there was a sending off as well. I mean, dire. My oh, goodness. Yeah, ridiculous. But the, the sending off, you know, I know they were 2-0 well, down, but they were, they were getting pumped anyway. But they, that's but why Everton, you got sent off. But yeah. Everton, as we said, though, are a bogey team for Swansea. 
It's strange how that works sometimes. But but Dyer Dyer was sent off simply uh, two bookings because he wasn't seeing any of the ball. He mm. wasn't having any like his own way and. Laudrup's really got to look at that. You yeah. know, if, if if you if you if you what Jim did say, this, if, if what Jim's if what Jim's saying is right, and teams are working out how to play against Swansea, they need to get used to not having the ball that much. Mm. A lot of other promoted teams, ninety ninety five percent of other promoted teams, hardly see any of the ball. You know, I, we're, we're talking about this with QPR. Um, we talked about it after the final game of last season. And QPR will be happy against Man City to have them to have all the ball for two thirds of the pitch almost. Mm. They're used to being pl- to play without the ball, and they'll try and hit them on the break, and they'll try and get a point. Swansea aren't used to doing that, despite being a promoted side, and they've got to learn that side of it. Mm. Sure, but I don't worry about Swansea though. I don't think, oh blimey, careful lads. You know, I, I think they'll be okay. I just think there's just a few little results in there. But well, I think th- I think this will be the story of their season because you know they've got such a specific game. They are so dedicated to it. Teams will work out how to play against them and, and spank them. Other teams won't be able to live with them and in turn get spanked. They're going to be a really exciting team to watch, I think, because you yeah. aren't going to know which wh- how it's going to go That's in any true. game. They've lost Allen, who's their metronomic sort of midfield player alongside Britain. They've lost Scott Sinclair, who's a big player for them. Mm. Sigurdsson. They've lost Sigurdsson as well. I mean, he didn't play, obviously, for, for, for the whole season, but he's a big player as well. Leroy Lita. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So Lee Trundle it's be, it's <laughs> not, love, not around anymore I love Lee Trundle <laughs> Lee Sharp I think, I think I'm right in saying Lee Trundle was the only player in I think League One history to have a deal for image rights <laughs> which is brilliant yeah I think it's something like that wasn't yeah. It? well yeah a good win for Everton and they, and they march on um, Chelsea beat Stoke City 1-0 at, work for that, at the bridge yeah, late Ashley Cole winner oh Swansea go to Stoke next week by the way oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's tough as well. well there you go but Stoke they were unlucky weren't they they were unlucky against yeah. Chelsea. I mean, it could have gone either way that game. Um, and then after the goal, David Luiz thought, "I'll tell you what, I'm going to stick one on Walters." Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was a horrendous challenge. That was worse than anything you saw at Anfield. Yeah, yeah. Put really, together, really was. yeah, it really was. Yeah. I mean, it was how he never got sent off. He just, he just exists in a different dimension from the rest of us, doesn't he, David Luiz? And he made. It wasn't like he went in and, and Walters. Rode the ta- jumped the tackle. He made contact. Mm. Yeah, he got him. And Walters was fuming. As what was the referee thinking there? Um, yellow that's it yeah, yeah. Well, stupid that, ridiculous was Pooh fuming I forget I don't know if I saw the post-match interview I he, he was, was actually quite calm in the post-match where okay. he could have been I think he was taking the positives for his team he said you know we've yeah. gone to um, uh, the champions you know we've got a point oh, not gone there sorry they hosted them they mm. got a point uh, and then they've gone away to the European champions and they were unlucky not to get a point did he go into the change room after that get completely naked and headbutts on one <laughs> do we have confirmed reports of that <laughs> headbutt headbutt Ashley Cole yeah it was a horror tackle by David Luiz it really was mm. um, like a career ender he's very very lucky and the the Premier League rules are he's been booked so you can't Look at it again, and then actually, no, we'll increase that to a red. Which I think is, yeah. is, is, a, is a kind of worth talking about now, but I think that's a little bit silly. I yeah. think, yeah, I think that's a bad rule that needs to be um, looked at. Yeah, uh, Os- some of us find fault with the sin and not the sinner, as Jurassic yeah. Five said. Yeah, yeah, and or, or Gandhi yeah. as well. Same. I, I mean, I go to the top. With Gandhi in Jurassic Five, I believe so. There's yeah. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Last I saw him, um, Oscar and Ivanovic were looking for pens, weren't they? Yeah, that was um, terrible. It's happening everywhere. It really, is. I mean, it's happening like so every weekend. We're getting. Gym? It is becoming like an epidemic. I don't want to panic people, but hide your kids, <laughs> hide your wife. It's just <laughs> diving everywhere. Diving everywhere. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, 
It's becoming almost embarrassing every single weekend we're talking about it. And, you know, this rears its head every season. There seems to be a spate of it. Like, oh, what can be done about diving? And we seem to have established that it's basically nothing. But just stop it! Yeah. I've got a little theory about why penalties are being missed and stuff, because Nani had a shocker. Oh, penalties <laughs> getting harder to score, Luke. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I also prepared myself for a break mentally for why you said that. Um, it's because the game's become much more about personal glory. So people try, all these players start trying to do different things to try and get the headlines. Mm. And, and they end up fucking it up. Just smash it in the corner. I think it, 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 it must, should be a free goal, basically. Yeah, it would go. It would go to your head, though, wouldn't it? If you, you score a goal, then you run towards the cameras. You're in slow motion, looking like some sort of Greek god. You know, you would go mental. I think ego but mental. Bram Persie basically learnt the hard way, didn't he, with that penalty against Southampton? Yeah. And then he took a penalty uh, on Sunday mm. and smashed it. And the keeper got his hands with it, but he hit it so powerfully he couldn't save it. That's, that's why he's learnt his lesson. There. Interesting how Van uh, Ferguson, uh, Van Ferguson, was um, <laughs> rotating his, his penalty takers uh, since they keep missing them because Nanny was was. Uh, no, apparently he didn't say. Apparently they didn't have a designated kicker. Oh something. really? Oh, that's that, interesting. Ferguson said it was my fault. I didn't. Uh, Say, oi, you're, you're taking the pens. So I, I saw that and thought, Nani fancy. I wouldn't want Nani anywhere near a penalty. Well, no, hang on, he took a fantastic one against Spain in the, the Euro semi-final. Which that is may be pressure. true, but what subsequently happened? I wouldn't <laughs> want Nani anywhere near a penalty. <laughs> well, no, but uh, based on his last penalty, he put one in the, the top corner against Ica Casillas. Yeah, but given you know, given the players on the pitch, he's not going to be top of my pecking order. And he's not, in, he's not anywhere near the, the confident form he's been in in the past. Yeah, he does seem to be regressing. Mm-hmm. Judge him on his results, and you have. Southampton, of course, had a terrible run-in for fixtures, and, and finally they came to Aston Villa at home, yeah. and they made the most of it. Four-one. Yeah, well, well Atkins seemed to be sort of you know, mentally preparing the boys to be going, right. We're winning this one. Yeah. yeah. Like last he, week, he said we, that. weirdly, he did say, didn't he, before the game? Our season starts now. He put a lot of pressure on his own players, and they did respond to it really well. So obviously, um, you know, that's that's a bit of almost mind games on his own squad that's worked very well. But they, they just looked excellent. And they've been playing well in the games they've yeah, lost. I mean, yeah. apart from against Arsenal. But, um, you know, they were, uh, you know, they just looked like the vibrant side that they've been against Manchester United and Manchester City, but uh, without conceding ridiculous goals at every opportunity. Yeah. Every, every, every team that's struggling could do with a bit of Villa at home. A bit of Ricky mm. Lambert yeah. scoring a break. Well, no, Ricky Lambert, to be fair, I should, I should actually take, take the time to say credit. He's, he's been excellent. Oh, he's been <laughs> absolutely superb. He had four players on him for the first goal. Yeah. He was a and that close nuisance. on him as well. Such a nuisance. And I thought that he may well struggle at this level to score, but he's not done that, to be mm. fair to him. Now, he deserves immense credit for doing so. For yeah. doing so you know. I think we're, we're all agreed. If you're struggling, what you want is Villa at home dressed as a bunch of limes. <laughs> I thought Villa would be. Do you know what? I looked at, when I was doing uh, do a better fair column regularly, and I was looking for for players, teams who who would have a decent start, whose odds for certain things would come in. And I thought Villa um, had a reasonably open, decent opening six or seven games. Hmm. They've not really done anything. Yeah, but again, we've got to look at Villa in the same way we're looking at Swansea because they've changed their manager and the style was so dramatically different under Paul Lambert from how it was under Alex McLeish, which is just completely yeah. down. It's a lot more open and expansive with, with Lambert. So th- those players have got to get time to click into that system. So I think Villa will improve. Paul Lambert should not be letting his son score loads of goals. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's a conflict of interest. Yeah. Southampton actually, had a, I won't say this very often this season, but Southampton had a really good uh, chant as well. Because you know the, r- the rumours that... Um, that the board possibly are looking at getting in Harry Redknapp to replace Nigel Atkins. Oh, yeah. Oh, come and, on. and they were singing, uh, you can shove your Harry Redknapp up your arse. <laughs> <laughs> Which is completely witless, but again... It's something for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll probably get the job. No, but it was an excellent result for Southampton, wasn't it? It really was, and that's, that's what they needed. And, and in a weird way, similar to Liverpool, been playing well, not getting the results, yeah. just keep the faith, keep doing what you're doing. So Liverpool fans, just wait for Villa at home. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> when that is, I've not checked. You better hope it's not fucking March. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
dear. Let's go down to the Championship, where Blackburn lost at home to Middlesbrough 2-1. Great result for Middlesbrough. Um, and Brighton, as a result, uh, went top because they beat Millwall 2-1 uh, away from home. They're top with 16 points out of seven matches. We, line, yeah. we talked about Brighton, didn't we? They're having a, a lovely time. But the, uh, the standout result for me was Birmingham nil, Barnsley 5. All the goals came in a 23-minute period in the second half, and Davis got a haul in 19 minutes. Wow. Fowler-esque. That is. <laughs> Robbie Fowler-esque. What, the, the pick of the bunch, he just bulldozed his way through. He took it about th- past three defenders in the box and um, revealed he's uh, got tattoos on his pecs. Nice. Of what? I didn't really see. Oh, I was okay. too intimidated to look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, all good fun again in, in, in the Championship. Uh, before we go abroad, let's go to League One. We've got to mention Tranmere Rovers. They beat Creepy Crawley 5-2 away. And uh, they're top of the league with 20 points from eight games, Jim. Staggering. Mm. Glorious. <laughs> Glorious. I'm not things. good at maths, but I don't know if that even adds up. Uh, <laughs> they might have chucked a couple of extra in. You reckon? I don't know. My goodness. Uh, let's go to La Liga then. Um... At the time of recording, recording a touch earlier than normal, uh, Real Madrid haven't played against uh, Real Vallecano, but much has been happening in the Madrid camp. Jose Mourinho, he's actually said he uh, wants to return to England after his time at Real Madrid. When asked uh, which clubs would he manage, he said, everyone. We can't do everyone. everyone. No. <laughs> It'd be an interesting season. Well, he's, he'd be, it'd take ages as well. It'd take about five Chaps, years. I'll give you one minute today. I give, that's all I've got. I, I, I'll have to, I've, got, I've, got, I've got to shoot off after this. Yeah. <laughs> he went on to say, I am a London blue, but I am also a professional. Um, he, the third year is fatal, as Brother Gutman said. So we'll mm. be off. He does subscribe to that. He um, absolutely does. Someone from Marker, the uh, reporter from Marker, did a brilliant line about Mourinho this week. He was yes. gutted about it as he well. Was, what was uh, it? Um, yeah, that's right. Um, Roberto Palomar, I believe his name is, described Mourinho as... I don't know why he said this. Maybe he saw it in something. He said that he's the type of person who would flee after causing a car crash. He's Basically accused him of a hit and run. He's, a hit and run. he's not accused him of anything. Has wow. it? No, he's no he hasn't. No, he hasn't accused him. No, he hasn't accused him. Uh, but well, it's um, like me saying to you, you're the type of bloke who was a rapist. No, oh, well, it's, well. but that's not the same thing. It's <laughs> not an. It's, it's not. It's not an allegation, oh, which right. makes it completely yeah. different. It's a. Prediction. I mean, it's a harsh thing to say, <laughs> but it's not. You know, it's a piece of prophecy. It's, I don't think I was going to win that court case. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, they, um, the, uh, Mourinho and Real Madrid are, um, are looking to uh, sue him for fifteen thousand euros in damages. Yeah, but if you, if, you, if you basically, I don't know what the laws are in Spain, but in England, in terms of libel, um, if you defame someone and, and reduce their reputation in their place of office, mm. in the eyes of right-minded thinking people, that's right, you can get that. That's how it works. Uh, if Mourinho gets that money, plans on donating it to the local football team his son plays for. Nice. Oh, could just give him fifteen thousand euros himself. I was yeah. going to say he's, he's wealthy yeah. enough, isn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, it wasn't the only person having a dig at Mourinho um, recently after the Champions League win against Man City in that incredible game at the Bernabeu. And Mourinho did that brilliant knee mm, slide celebration. You know, brings back memories of Old Trafford, doesn't it? Uh, he'll never top the celebration. Well, Old Trafford was the Porto where he's given it that one. He wasn't yeah. sliding. Was no, it? It was but it's the, the, yeah, it's just a sort of the joy of it. Yeah. You know? the, the, his finest um, celebration for me was uh, Inter when they beat Barcelona. Well, they lost the game, but they won an aggregate at yeah. the Camp Nou in the semi-final of the Champions League. And he runs across the pitch, waving his wagging his finger, and Valdez yeah. tries to stop. But all I love about that, if you watch that clip, when the final whistle goes, Mourinho's about two thirds away across the pitch <laughs> 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 because he knew that was it. They'd it's win the like, final. Yeah. It's like the one where Barca put the sprinklers on. 
Did yeah, yeah, that's up? right. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Because they, they, that's my favourite celebration from Incredible bitterness. But he had to pipe up and say that he was actually signalling to the Inter fans. Yeah, he was. And not to the Barca who were giving him... Because like, remember when we were at Barca that season, we yeah. went to Camp Nou that season to see them in the group in, game. Yeah, they beat them. And they murdered Inter, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, they should have been about six. But at the end of the game, all the Barcelona fans were singing a song, obviously in Spanish, about, about Mourinho. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that Mourinho, initially that Mourinho... But they call him the assistant or something? No, they call him the translator. The translator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they were singing something about go back to the theatre or something like that. But he, um, he, so then I thought he was goading them, but he he wasn't. No, he he wasn't. I don't, he was celebrating, and then he went over and pointed way up high where the the away fans sit for those games, which is right at the top. And then caused a car crash. And then. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we, so we I just want to make it clear: Luke has accused um, <laughs> yeah. Jose Mourinho of doing that. Bring it on, Jose! <laughs> I cannot lose, even if I do two years in jail. I he, cannot lose. He yet. will take fifteen grand off <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Um, well, he won't. But uh, yeah, <laughs> he'll try. Um, so actually, the, the, the quote was from the former Barca director Alphonse Godal, who said uh, about the Nice celebration: "It's lamentable the psychopath celebrating <laughs> goals as if he was a player." Oh, that's that's so joyless. Come yeah. on, shut up. Yeah. Like my Tito wouldn't do that as he like strokes you. <laughs> He's a good Would boy. You, Tito. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, the uh, PSG club president said he hasn't been in touch with the club with regards to Cristiano Ronaldo. And he said, uh, I don't know why he suddenly came out this moment. Yeah. This is very subtle, this, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I wonder what this is going to lead to one day. If he's going to do this about every player he's not approached, it will take some time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, he's going he's starting at the top. He said, if Cristiano is sad, it's not because we've been in touch with him. He doesn't think of highly of himself. No. Really. <laughs> um, no. It's too soon to talk about Ronaldo. He's very professional. Yeah. That is more than you, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pathetic. Staying um, uh, sort of loosely with the Real Madrid uh, camp. Well, not the camp. Uh, a former player of theirs, Guti, has retired. No. Oh, that's a shame. From the game, the assist master himself. Indeed, uh, you know, he had a great involved. career, didn't he? The assist master. Probably himself. best. Uh, it was. I don't know. Probably Blackburn or retire. You know. That mm. um, that assist of Benzema. Well, the back. The heel. back heel. Mm. That's. Wonderful about, stuff. Yeah. What's his deaf boxer mate going to do? Uh, probably, hopefully, leave him alone. Yeah. He's not his mate, is he? He's emphatically <laughs> not his mate. <laughs> no, I love Gucci. What a player. I thought yeah. he was, really was You're super. You're a big fan of Gucci, yeah. Yeah, stuck at, um, stuck at Madrid for a long time. And obviously, mm. did he go to Besiktas after that? Uh, he was in Turkey, yeah. I didn't yeah. see so much of him there. But I remember at Madrid, he, was, he really was great. I love watching him play. Yeah, well done. But he's old now. I mean, you know. 35. He's a thing happen, yeah. Still a year Get yourself over to the Prem. Damn right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's change camps to Barcelona. The new camp where uh, they beat Granada 2 0. They had to work for it. It yeah. was only until the sort of 86, 87th minute that Xavi scored a, a beauty. But before that, I mean, there was a couple of chances either. But Granada had a great chance to go 1 0 up and, and they didn't take it. Well, then, Valdez sort of stood up tall and saved it with chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but ended up 2 0 and in own, own goal and injury time sealed uh, the win. So Barcelona march on. Um, but uh, it's all going off in Madrid with Jose Mourinho as it will yeah I mean they've got problems with Madrid because they've got this thing with Mourinho who seems to be continually controversial and you've got um, the Ronaldo thing but yeah that Champions League game against City seemed to I mean that was almost um, cathartic yeah Yeah. they could have so easily not won that game but the thing with Mourinho as we've seen so many times is he likes to instil this thing in his team that everyone else is against them and that they have to just fight and they win things against people as Diego Maradona always did to Mm. motivate himself Maradona would never win something for himself he'd win something against someone else and Mourinho has that same thing so I mean that siege mentality the City game is perfect for that and obviously he needs to kick that in as soon as possible but But I 
sorry. I think with um, Mourinho talking about the sort of the third season thing, Germany he likes to in his head he wants to win the Champions League at and every leave. club he's at and yeah. then leave. Yeah, but I think with Madrid there's been so much drama there and it's been so ridiculous and so almost tabloid that I think this will be the club where he just goes ah. Oh, screw it you know it wasn't his choice yeah. to leave Chelsea but I think Madrid he might just well the thing with Madrid is a little yeah, I agree with you but it's a little bit more complicated than that as well because Madrid almost you know you could argue got him in specifically to win La Decima the 10th yeah. Champions League sorry 10th European Cup which is what they've wanted for such a long time yeah. and part of the reason they've turned over so many managers so if he doesn't deliver them that it's difficult to know I mean, where they're going to go next mm. well with the league being you know as it is with them being 8 points behind maybe they'll shift their focus to the Champions League it's a big gamble though, isn't it? I know it's, it's a, a football, know, of course you know. it is I mean, there's a, long, a lot of football to go yet but mm. it's going to be prominent in their minds mm. I think they've got a decent chance of winning there. Yeah, I, they I would sort themselves out. They've got to be one of the favourites. That squad's ridiculous. It is indeed, isn't it? For Blimey O'Reilly. Uh, let's go to Serie A, where Juventus uh, are winning again. They beat Chievo 2-0. Quagliarella with mm. a brace. Uh, Juve 4 wins out of 4. He's had a great weekend, um, Quagliarella. He said, this has been perhaps the best week of my career to score three goals in two games. It's not easy to do so. Uh, yeah. He scored one away at Chelsea in the Champions League, mm. and I was there. Mm. I was right by the Juventus fans, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed their company, although they didn't seem to enjoy mine, because I think they thought I was a Chelsea fan. Many middle Fair. fingers um, <laughs> in my direction. Hopefully not specifically to me, but um, they, they were superb. They made so much noise. Yeah. And they were brilliant, and they and they got a good result, two 0 down. But um, Oscar, what, I'd what love to have seen yeah. Oscar go on. The yeah. second one was an absolute peach. But Juve, yeah, Vidal's uh, first goal was delightful. And Quagliarella, yeah. well, that was an excellent player. He is, yeah. But Quagliarella, I heard Tony Cascarino on Sky Sports News saying, "I c- cannot believe he didn't get a move to the Premier League in the summer." Oh, oh, he didn't want on you, stupid oaf. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing for Juventus who yeah. went undefeated last season yeah, and won yeah. Serie A and, and who could be a real threat in the Champions League this mm. season I mean, they, they, they could be an outside bet for this the, the Oscar goal um, I don't know uh, interesting what you think because you saw it there you were in, saw it in the flesh yeah. a couple of people tried to say that he didn't mean it Soonis was one of them didn't mean the but turn John, Jonathan Wilson said that he saw well, it well he was kind of forced into the turn but by he the never way, took his off the ball though. no well, uh, Jonathan Wilson saw him at the under 20 World Cup and was very impressed yeah. and said if you know what type of player and you've seen Oscar play you'll know that he meant that ok right mm-hmm. yeah which it's a beauty I'm taking it the way the, the thing I liked about it I mean the term was superb obviously but the way I liked it he just absolutely ripped that shot oh mm. yeah but what was great as well is because it was, it was right in line where I was sitting and as soon as the ball broke you thought yeah you could just see the turn the, the and shot it, yeah, and yeah. he did exactly what you thought in your mind he was going to do yeah. and, and he executed it to perfection I thought you were going to say exactly what I would have done <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, well, I'd probably gone in off the bar myself yeah. but so what? So you were sitting around to the Juve fans any sort of uh, interaction <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what you were like when you get a couple of Fantas inside yeah, a couple yeah. of Fantas yeah. sugar high you go crazy well no I stayed away from the Fantas because I knew I was sitting next to them you know I'm not stupid but uh, well, you've been told from last time indeed yeah. I am I'm surprised well, they let you back in but uh, yeah, those Juve fans were superb I have to say such a, such a noise throughout and when they got um, the second which was uh, Quagliarella again put in on goal way in a big Champions League time just slips it through the legs yeah, of the it was, it was so cool yeah. it was so cool and they were obviously giving it the big one <laughs> there's a couple of Chelsea fans one of them next to me was uh, looking at one of them but saying really low and quite menacing like the guy was right up in his face and he was he was kind of symbolising with his fingers um, you know that the, the guy was very small he's going you're that small you're that small you little so and so it's just like if you go up to him he gets bigger you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the distance where you're sitting like depth of perception yeah, yeah. <laughs> was tactical pygmy there which one ah uh, he 
God, I've had you a lot of your tactical <laughs> shorts. Yeah, <laughs> you tactical pig, man. That was that oh, awful was um, sort of stereotype that we saw at the, uh, yeah. the Chelsea game. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, Chelsea did okay, but I thought it was great seeing Juventus play. Well, Chelsea simply shouldn't have let Juventus back into the no, game. No, no, no. It's easier said than done, though, isn't it? Juventus are a very, very good side. Yeah. Well, they're two good sides. I mean, Juventus, though, they're great to watch. They, they they put three in the middle of the park. You know, they've got three at the back, the wing-backs. They just seem to have somebody... I mean, Lichtensteiner... Um, Lichtensteiner, yeah, Lichtenstein, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 to right the wing-back. Did a brilliant job. He had Hazard and Ashley Cole down there, and he was superb. They st- it's what, when it works well, that formation, to, yeah. to me, it looks like you've always got an extra man. Exactly. In every area of the pitch. Exactly. And, and, and if Juve can, can do that in the Champions League this season, I think they've got a real chance of going far. And I've done it against away... At the champions, yeah, so, they've, only, you know. they've only won it twice, so you know because yeah, they got three finals in the mid nineties. We all remember yeah. Yeah. only won one, yeah, only won one. Um, but anyway, back to the league. They 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 beat Kiev and they're um, looking good. Uh, Milan lost again away to Udinese. Anthony Christmas, yeah. Uh, uh, Udinese are a good team though. Yeah, they are a good side. There's no. So Milan have had a shot start, got, the, got the winner through the penalty. El Sharawi scored a great goal. That's didn't beauty, he? wasn't it? A great hit. A bit more from him. This is yeah, well, he needs more from him. There's a lot of pressure on that young man. Yeah. Well, he seems to be getting. I mean, as Paolo Bandini said, um, I might mention this last week. Actually, the front three they've got. Yeah. This, the, the way they're playing doesn't seem apparently doesn't seem to suit any of them. I've not seen enough of them to. to to, to be able to sort of uh, endorse that or not, but um, the city of Milan in general has not been going well. I mean, Inter have been a bit patchy That's right. as well. They lost at home to Siena, two mm. nil. Mm. Two great goals from Siena. It'd be interesting to see what happens at Inter because um, the chairman there obviously turned managers over pretty quickly. He's got a big reputation for doing that, and, and Stromaccioni got the job after the next gen series when Inter won it, and um, the chairman went over there, um, Maratti, and 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 basically from what I can make out or from what people were saying gave him the job on the plane back or something like that and said I'm changing my style or whatever or implied that he's that he's getting a young manager through he wants them to see it through um, and be a bit more long term about it mm. but if Inter start faltering it's really going to test his nerve mm, I mean Inter right. what mid-table they've won a couple they've done okay but it's a poor result for them yeah. and it depends it it'd be interesting to see how long Moratti keeps at it you know position, table positions are kind of irrelevant this early on though you know you can't make a judgment on that yeah, but this is Moratti's about 58 yeah. managers in the last 10 years you, know, <laughs> you, you don't think like that can, can Roma capitalise yeah. we're looking to the capital here well their game was called off wasn't it it was mm. it was for safety and so. um, at the time of recording yeah for the other team's defence yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it actually wasn't that it was serious oh right yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Lazio Genoa at the time of recording hasn't been um, played yet but Lazio fans uh, they disgraced themselves let's be honest mm. yeah, they did uh, White Hart Lane in the, in the, ch- in the Europa League yeah um, oh Hopefully UEFA will come down hard on them. Yeah, well, the Spurs need to file their complaint, and, and the referee needs to do the same. And it needs to be done properly, and, and they need to get sorted out. Just chuck, look, if it happens again, or a couple more times, you've got to do something really serious to, to mm. get them to get them sorted. But what of Genoa? Well, their president um, Enrico Preziosi has received a six-month stay. Have you made him up? <laughs> well, let me. Yeah. Um, uh, he. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's received a six-month stadium ban over match-fixing. So the other week... Well, that'll he, learn him. <laughs> well, he disagreed with it, really, to be honest. Um, has, he it, moved, has he fixed and arranged for all the, ba- uh, the games to be moved to a different place? Yeah, so he well, can carry on watching them? No, no, he, he's still there in cardboard form. Um, the other week he had a cardboard cutout of himself put in the seat he sits <laughs> in at the stadium. <laughs> Like a horrendous provincial stag due to a European city. That is wonderful. And, it, and he said about it, he went, it was an act of irony. Some laws are too absurd. 
Wow. Yeah, that'll learn him. How's that absurd? Don't match fix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Michael Laudrup piped up with something a bit controversial. Did, yeah, that was really, really odd. Saying that, like... It's okay to pay teams to win. Yeah. It's, what, yeah, it's okay to offer a bonus, he's basically, like, an, to incentivise yeah, yeah, teams yeah, to win, isn't it? I don't think it is. That's oh, absolutely... It's outrageous. Well, you know, th- there's quite a big... Um, in it, where obviously, Laudrup isn't Italian, but while we're on the subject of Italian football, it's quite a big uh, tradition of, of, towards the end of the season, when teams have got nothing to play for agreeing to lose games and stuff because I've seen a couple of players uh, well it's a long time ago now I've seen a couple of players move from Serie A to the Premier League and been asked what the best thing they like about the um, about the, the league and they say stuff like I've heard them say stuff like oh it's great because everyone tries right to the end of the season it's like fucking what <laughs> <laughs> that's the least we expect I, I genuinely think a lot of it I mean James Horncastle said to me in the past that he thinks a lot of um, Italian players really idolise the Premier League because they, they really try all the time mm. and it's not necessarily as much of a culture it's, it is an interesting one with Italy because they do kind of I don't know if revere is the right word but there is a lot of respect towards England and before England in, in the European Championships when they played um, Italy Italy were very worried about England, and they're often worried about the English national side. They got a bit. Of, I mean, we're often worried about the English national side, <laughs> but for different <laughs> yeah. reasons. But, but there's, there's, been, there's obviously been talk of like an inferiority complex. Well, yeah. I mean, we talked about this before. We when did. When Capello scored against yeah. England at Wembley, it was yeah. like a real monk of their back sort of thing. Yeah. Well, Capello, it was his dream job to manage England, wasn't it? it? Was, for it was, a, was, even when he was growing up as like a kid, he wanted to do that his whole life. He was kind of obsessed with it. I think that's because of that reputation we somehow have over there. We did the show. We're doing we, our best to get rid of that reputation. Around that time, we did this show after McLaren left and we said and Capello came out in the press and said he wanted a job and we said if he wants it go and get him now because yeah. yeah. you're not going to get a better quality of manager I'd, I'd still yeah. believe, I mean, it's not all worked out perfectly but, I, still, but I, still believe, I still believe no that. no I, th- I was a good uh, well yeah talked about that before uh, let's go to the Bundesliga because we haven't talked about that for a little while yeah, doing the right little Euro trip today damn right we are um uh, at the SPL's expense. We're doing, um, the, we're doing it's like Eurotrash. You're Antoine de Caen. Mm. And, Jim, oh, you're and we're just tits. And Jim, you're Jean-Paul Gaultier. Right. I was going to say I'm the tit, but that's all right. Um, Hamburger SV beat Borussia Dortmund. 3-2 mm. Dortmund's 31-match unbeaten runs come to an end. Fran de Vart's in, uh, in town. Damn right. Mm. Uh, he set up the first. And uh, South Korean Hing Min Song um, scored two. The second was a lovely one. Jurgen Klopp looks ridiculous when his team loses because he, he's got like a cap and... The old hoodie and stuff. It, looks, it just looks like a man who's dressing too young for his age. No, he looks like a man who's recently homeless. <laughs> like it's not. It, it's not freebie clothes. Yeah, he's not That's quite. Yeah, yet. the beard's not quite too shaggy yet. He's still not too dirty. His Glasses hair's not too matted, yet. but it's not far away. <laughs> are, they, are they the signs? Are they? Mm, I would right. believe so. Okay. I presume most homeless people start off looking quite normal when they first become homeless. I suppose so. Just yeah. makes sense, doesn't it? That's true. So yeah, great win for, for Hamburg there. Um, Shame for Dortmund, but uh, but they'll be back mm. next week probably. Um, <laughs> Bayern Munich. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they just give up. <laughs> That's rubbish, dude. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday. Do you want to yeah. play FIFA? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. With Pete. Um, Bayern had a good result against Schalke away. They, they won two 0 Dominant wins. as well. Yeah, four wins from four league games this season. Uh, Crew scoring a nice one, and, and, and Thomas Muller nutmegging. Oh, lovely Megs! That one. Slotting home from an angle. So uh, yeah, Bayern Munich—they're looking good. But Eintracht Frankfurt—they beat Nuremberg two-one away, and they've won four out of four this season too. First team to get promoted and do that, I think, Is in Bundesliga right? history, I believe. Yeah. My goodness. My You're goodness. Your giddy aunt. <laughs> yeah, she still is. Um, I've got a giddy aunt. She's married to my uncle Bob, and Bob's my uncle. So ah, quite a cliched family. My goodness. Well, uh, let's leave Europe now. Let's go to South America. 
where there was a big friendly. It was Brazil versus Argentina. Only players on the show, um, the only players on the show were the ones uh, from the two countries' domestic leagues, which is why we probably didn't hear too much about this game. And Brazil won it 2-1. Neymar scored a penalty with pretty much the last kick of the game. Yeah, and um, uh, Romario wasn't very happy about it, was he? Yeah. Romario wasn't very happy about this. He's getting very annoyed with, with that Menendez is still in charge of Brazil. And he's, he's gone to the top now in his bid to try and get him sacked. It's almost like he's stalking him now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I sort of understand. I, I admire, you know, on one hand, I admire the passion that Romario's got post-football. Yeah, but you know, just do it to the next guy. Yeah, exactly. It's just mm. undermined the whole thing really now. Well, and, and Brazil have got no real competitive fixtures leading into the World Cup, and these mm. games are these games have, have extra importance for them. Well, it is, and, it, and it's Argentina as well. No one's going to take yeah. that game. Beating likely. Argentina is not easy, is it? They managed to do it. They might have scraped it, but they did do it. Mm. They did do it. But uh, the, the results are, are not the Brazilian way. No, we know. absolutely. But um, but yeah, Romário's gone to the top to try and get him set. He said another horrible game by Brazil. President, are you going to do something about it? And he's talking about the president of the country. Mm. It's interesting that um, because obviously when Brazil hosted the World Cup in 1950, and they um, they thought they were going to win it, mm-hmm. and we talked about this before on the show, they they, they we lost profiled out. it. They lost out, and 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 it's really played in their psyche ever since. And so. Um, yeah, they don't want to be undermined. They need. They need. They've not got these competitive games. These games against Argentina are competitive by their very nature. So it's important for them to learn lessons from it and, and really use the experience. If you've got someone chipping off in the background. Mm. You know, it's, it's it's not ideal, is it? But do you it's think Romario is one of those people where you just don't really listen to him? Like we talked about Tony Cascarino earlier. Obviously, very, <laughs> very different levels of player. No, I'm not sure, but, but you just think. Who cares R- what he thinks? Romario. Um, one was an amazing international striker. And the other yeah, one but was the point is, every, everyone everyone knows. <laughs> everybody knows that you know. Romario's a bit of a windbag and so, a bit they're of a both dickhead. liars aren't they Cascarino lied on the passport and Romario yeah. hasn't scored mm. five million yeah. goals <laughs> no I don't think anyway um, Remember Jack Romario Every time he ate chips Off at Menezes He counts that as a goal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Quite possibly um, Talking of fantastic Former Brazilian strikers Ronaldo will be appearing In a reality TV show Based on him losing weight um, He wants to lose weight In time for the annual Charity match That's depressing in, isn't it Isn't it <laughs> yeah. They'll put on it Kind of mighty Every time something like that comes <laughs> Every time something like that Comes around I think of that goal He scored against Compostela for Barcelona Where Bobby Robson's like Holding his head And can't, can't believe How good it is Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's a charity match in Brazil. It's quite a big one, um, and Zinedine Zidane plays a big part in it. Apparently, the, the, the reports were saying that Ronaldo has suffered from thyroid problems, which resulted in him... All fat people say that. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's big boned. Yeah. And he's fat. Because <laughs> <laughs> he eats too much. I'd love it if somebody was fat like that, in, in, in that sort of sphere. <laughs> well, I, come out said, I love eating food. Yeah. Like Cassano. Like Cassano, yeah. Will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, some proper news from Brazil with regards to football. Um, Ganzo has left Santos and signed for Sao Paulo. For uh, around sort of nine, ten million pounds. Dead, but a Premier League. Yeah, yeah that's think? all I've got to say on that. Okay. Well, you know, there's talk that he, you know Ganso's had injury problems. He's not been as good as as, mm. as maybe people hoped. Brazil's obviously got a very vibrant economy, and they can afford to pu- to, to mm. pay players. It's well, interesting it's, that that's that's becoming more and more common now, and it's yeah. a welcome thing as well. He's still very young. I think he, so. Brazil, as the national side, will be stronger with um, a lot of their international staying in Brazil, and not the you know Brazil cap players just so they'll get a higher sell-on fee later on, mm. don't they? But that's you right. know now. That may not need to happen so Do you think much. there's a factor as well that the World Cup's coming and they perhaps want to be playing in Brazil? Absolutely. And the World Cup and the Olympics. So, yeah. you know, Brazil's going to be oh, yeah, quite cool. kind of cash rich. I mean, look how well we did in the Olympics by putting so much planning into it. Team GB just achieved so much. To come third was incredible. And Brazil have had an opportunity to do the same thing. And they're going to they're gonna be putting so much preparation into this. So they, they have to win it. If they don't win it in Brazil, it'll be like 1950. The pressure will really be. Go back the into a complete really regression. The pressure on they'll be 
crip him. But just on the on the Gancho thing, I mean, even my sort of limited knowledge of Brazilian football is, you know, I, I sort of thought when the, when the figures were, that were being touted around for Gancho mm. at the time from European clubs, you know, I just thought that's a bit rich because he, like I say, he has had injury problems. He's not really performed. Uh, from what I've read, he was asking for the same money as Neymar at Santos, mm. and they were going, "Well, you're not having that, no way." And, and I don't think I think because they're best mates and they want to hang out together and stay in the same club. I think Neymar didn't want them to go, but I suppose at least he's not gone too far, you know. Mm. Not too far, but he's still they're still both young enough to come exactly, play in Europe exactly. at some point, you know. Exactly. It'd be good to see them do that too. Mm, yeah, well, there's yeah. talk now because you know everyone's uh, everyone has, has assumed that Neymar will mm. sign for uh, Real Madrid at some point, but apparently Florentino Perez really pissed him off when they met. Like, yeah, I've heard he's closer to the Barca. Well, players. apparently so. But yeah. it's all it's all speculation. It's all, yeah, yeah, of course. But he probably go to Angie in Russia. <laughs> the big <laughs> thing was remember back at, a while back they had said that the deal had been done with Real Madrid and that never manifested itself. Mm. And then there was another rumor that came out and said that Barca had got a pre-contract agreement with him. That he, they had first refusal and stuff, and they'd pay for the privilege. I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what it is. We shall see. More from the future of Brazil to the future of Argentinian football, because El Diego is set to become a father at the age of fifty-one. Wow! Once again, sorry, I should say the father. Yeah, is this, is this He's an, got a few. Is this He's a legitimate? Baby no, it's with his girlfriend. Okay, right. So at least there is some kind of. Um, He's got to do something to fill the time, and he? he's got yeah. on. Well, he'll soon have five children with four different women. <laughs> Andy Gray esque. It's, it's <laughs> Raheem Sterling esque. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm right in saying uh, Andy Gray's got four. Has he? I think so, yeah. The oh. big man. Fifty Shades of Andy Gray. El <laughs> <laughs> Diego at the age of 51. Still prolific. Just satisfying women. Yeah. Let, let him. <laughs> let him and Andy. They should, I'll tell you what, they should team up. Yeah. Should they? Yeah, a little bit of relationship counselling. Yeah. Maradona and Gray. Yeah, there you go. Damn right. Right then, we're going to zoom straight to the profile, damn it all. Um, we have got a Dutch legend. It's Frank Rijkaard. Ah, I always want to clap the man in. <laughs> Dutch <laughs> legend sounds like a euphemism. It's yeah. true, isn't it? Franklin Edmundo Rijkaard. Mm. Um, born on the 30th of September 1962. Five years before the summer of love. He'll be celebrating his 50th birthday next week. Mm. By, crazy, by, by spitting in a German's bouffant, <laughs> <laughs> and then spitting in a German's bouffant again. <laughs> no, you let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he was born and grew up in Amsterdam, just a few blocks away from Rude Hullet. They played football together from a, an early age and were team. Didn't they play together in the street. Yeah, I believe so. There was yeah. a little bit of waste ground near their apartments, and they used to kick the ball around there. They yeah. would team up to great effect in far more spectacular surroundings. What the park? In a bit. There's <laughs> 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 a floodlit one. We're taking it to the park. <laughs> There's proper goals there. Yeah. Um, the Ajax coach at the time, uh, Leo Beenhacker, brought Rijkaard to the club, and gave him his debut at the age of, of seventeen, and. He just went from strength to strength, really. He's a big guy, Rijkaard, as well. The physical um, presence was, was quite something, but very intelligent player as well, straight from an early age, you know. Uh, he started out playing in the centre of defence. I always think of Rijkaard as a midfielder. Yeah, well, he'd moved, didn't he? He's a rare example of one of those players that changed position. Exactly. He was the, uh, probably the ultimate example of a player who could, could go forward into the midfield and then drop back in defence. Te textbook Dutch player. Yeah. Intelligent, versatile you know all all the things you expect of sort of a Dutch player mm. born out of that total football aesthetic mm. is is what is what Rijkaard is actually. Yeah, so well, he was the, the almost vindication of what total football was that he could do those things, prove it worked. It's, it's such a beautiful footballing philosophy, you mm. know. And um, I think it was in Holland where some people called him the Comet because he just used to be everywhere. You know, mm. <laughs> just that's great. It up and down. I remember in his, in his Milan shirt of his white shorts pulled right up tight. <laughs> hey. Top man. 
little moustache. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so he was a huge part of the um, the success of the eighties in the in that Ajax team. And during his spell at Ajax, he was there from 1980 to 87. They won the league three times, the Dutch Cup three times, and the Cup Winners' Cup in 1987. Ah, and you come. Became, <laughs> became Cup Winners' Cup Winners. Yeah, we are going to profile every player that's ever been involved in the Cup Winners' <laughs> Cup at any point. Yeah. Um, uh, very close to the start of all this, he made his debut for the Dutch national side in 1981. Hmm. It's very early on in his career, still in his late teens. You know, That's how highly that he was rated, because he was quality. Yeah. Um, in 87 when Johan Cruyff was in charge of, of Ajax he had a falling out with Rijkaard which oh. is <laughs> <laughs> put on a nice old jumper in <laughs> your favourite pair of slippers mm. <laughs> um, and he left the club because of this um, arguing with Cruyff he went to Sporting Lisbon but he signed too late and was um, he wasn't eligible to play so he was immediately loaned to Real Zaragoza from them which is pretty strange mm. um, and then he only played uh, sort of a handful of games for Zaragoza and after that loan period he was sold to Milan never actually right. played for Got him for Lisbon yeah he never actually played for Sporting so he went to Milan and it all went off. He didn't do much at Milan. I don't think he did. Well, it was a poor team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk about them now, but that was a dark period. Yeah. <laughs> um, at Milan, he became one of the best midfielders in the world, teaming up with old pal Ruud Hullet and uh, Marco van Basten. Oh, must have been so incredible for them as individuals. And yeah. as, like the little kids they used to be. Because mm. it was lovely stuff, because around, like, later on, around that sort of time, um, Milan had the three Dutch boys yeah. and Inter had the three Germans mm. they had like, Matthias Bremer and, uh, and Klinsmann mm. and then those, team, those teams clashed so famously in World Cup 90 well, they did indeed it's when football had really good narratives oh mm. delicious yeah, that might just be getting a bit older true um, yeah uh, the, uh, what a formidable Dutch trio it was mm. under, under Arrigo Saki and you're absolutely right Jim imagine that the guy who used to look across at the wasteland uh, near the, the the place they grew up in in Amsterdam to the Stan Siro yeah. <laughs> very similar to when I grew up actually is it really? um, I used to play football in the back, in the, in the back street uh, mm-hmm. with a mate of mine yeah. and then a few years later on we both ended up working in the same call centre so. you say similar I'd say exact yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think yours is more glamorous I can, I can relate to it what I'm saying. To an extent, yeah. um, <laughs> the big Dutchman became known as the Hurricane, playing uh, as a holding midfielder, and the he... Hurricane and the Comet. Yeah, <laughs> make your mind up. They're both excellent. No, I don't. Make your mind not up. in the same place. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. You know. yeah. Um, it's a Comet spinning around really fast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we, yeah, he's like Veron. You know, he was called the Witch in yeah. Argentina and the Lazy Such and Such in Manchester. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Sticking the boot in. <laughs> Romario I, would be happy with that. I rate Veron. I don't know why he was never called the Pirate, as he so clearly is one. Yeah. Or Borat. It's like it's in. We're getting off topic here. <laughs> um, uh, he was he was kind of converted to a holding midfielder at Milan. I, I mean, Saki's school of thought was just delightful, wasn't it? Mm. One of your favourites, Luke. I love it. Yeah, I love Saki's Milan. Superb stuff. Yeah, I love what one I, of the best sides of all time. Would you say? Definitely. Definitely. Of course, they were. You yeah. both say that. It's like Saki said that. Like, um, it was funny because he was much more Saki about the sort of um, the team, but he also signed great individual players, and then not only signed them, but made them play as part of the team as well. Well, the midfield that he was a part of included Carlo Ancelotti and Dimitrio Albertini. Ah, Albertini was a with, with, yeah, Hullet and Van Basten had Baresi behind. Mm. Spine. Yeah. <laughs> Garlian goal. A, a meaty spine. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Van Basten one of the world's be- you know, one of the best ever strikers you know? he had to retire sort of cripplingly early because of injury it was, it was a real shame for him Yeah. On the, on, on, sorry no I was just going to say but Rijkaard was obviously a huge part of that team oh, yeah. it was great to watch uh, I mean on the Milan website they describe his playing style for when he played at Milan was um, he was a powerful midfielder with an incredible tactical sense gave the impression of doing the right thing at the right moment mm-hmm. which is great isn't it I mean there weren't too many midfielders like him around at that time um, he's a very elegant player yeah, everything he, looked quite effortless for well him well he could pick up the ball from the defence he could get forward start moves get a few himself kind of that sort of box to box midfielder which we don't see too much of these days you mm. know but he, he really was uh, the hurricane he was everywhere mm. you know and a great engine on him of course if you're going to play that role um, yeah and, and so this was all in the late 80s of that Milan side who were just something else and they dominated the individual awards too um, as well as in Europe, with the top three uh, uh, positions in the Ballon d'Or taken up by Milan players um, in 88 and 89, and Rico finished third uh, mm. on two occasions. Top three, even mm. basically. I suppose it's like Barcelona, really, now. Yeah, often yeah. With the Xavi and Messi. They're yeah. probably the last team that are comparable to this Barcelona side, that I'd, Milan team. Yeah, possibly. Well, I thought, I mean, generally speaking, in modern terms, I actually thought, as well as surprised by your question earlier, because I, I je- thought that it was generally accepted they were the best club side around. Mm. The last team to defend the European Cup. Mm. That's true. Not been down in the Champions League era. Very Phenomenally true. difficult to do. They yeah. did a season unbeaten as well, didn't they? And I th- yeah, and I think it's I think it's pro- got like fifty games. Possibly harder to have done it then as well, because I think that the quality and opposition was better then. Yeah, far less dead rubbers. Yeah, mm. because you didn't get you didn't have the big group stages. And, and also, like you didn't know so much about your opponents. Yeah, of course, yeah, that's absolutely true as well. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, we'll talk about it in just a sec. I mean, in, in 88, of course, playing for the, the Dutch national side, him and Ronald Koeman at the heart of defence. <laughs> and they playing defence for, yeah. for the Dutch side. And, and they won the European Championships in, in 1988. Fabulous mm. win. Van Basten's score, arguably the greatest goal of all time mm. uh, against, against the. Uh, but back at Milan, as you say, about the European Cups. The first one was in 1989 against uh, Stoy Bucharest. 4 0, they beat them in the final. Just devastated them, yeah. 4 0. And then the following year, they won 1 0 against uh, Benfica with Rijkaard himself getting the goal. It's a lovely one as well, so it powers through. Mm. Um, that sort of four or five years of chapter of sort of uh, Milan history. Um, culminating obviously in Capello in 94 when just destroying Barcelona yeah. when they were not fancied at all really mm. it's an amazing amazing uh, sort of era for, for Milan it really mm. was it really was uh, we have to talk about his uh, time at the 1990 World Cup I'm afraid Frank mm. uh, which ended up him in disgracing himself on, in the second round match against West Germany him and Rudy Voller got into a dispute Voller didn't seem to do too much wrong yet got sent off with Reichardt because mm. Reichardt spat at him as they were going off the field spat him again which is such a shame because because that is the image people think of when they think of his playing career I think that's which is right. a real, real and there disservice is so much more to him the frustration of Rijkaard it, it was because in my view was because Holland didn't really get started in, no, in the World Cup never. 90 then obviously mm. the group of England Republic of Ireland that group really stunk the, stunk the tournament out to be honest <laughs> it was only when um, I believe it was only when England beat Egypt 1-0 that sent yeah. Egypt home because of the way the groups were a then a close range Mark right header got it going yeah three teams went through from the group <laughs> Holland were one of them they drew Germany in the second round and Germany were the best team there and they, they were home before they knew it really which is I mean they had such good players you know oh, yeah. and Rijkaard was obviously very frustrated and, and I'm not excusing what he did because it was disgraceful but and it is a shame because you say he's what he's probably what he's remembered for Certainly in this country, because World Cup night was such a big thing in England. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's awful to see. Well, yeah, winning two European Cups and two Serie A titles with Milan—you'd like to think that somebody yeah. would think of that before that. Well, one thing I would say is, obviously, I'm not ever going to endorse spitting, mm. but it did make it slightly funnier that they both had quite big hair yeah. at the time. 
Just a bigger target. Yeah, he just yeah, he, it's just a bit yeah, it's a bit grim, but it was quite funny. Well. Was, mm. was it the end of eighties hair? <laughs> it might have been. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's nineteen ninety. <laughs> things are being phased out. Everyone's thinking this is ridiculous. Someone could gob in my head. I wouldn't even know. That's I've got to like, shave this off. So eighties hair jumped the shark at that point. Yeah, Riker kind of did people a favour in the long. Exactly, time. he's yeah. a visionary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, he, 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 his time in Milan, they kind of um, carried on being fantastic, and then in ninety three, they lost the final of the European Cup one 0 to Marseille, which kind of signalled the end for for that chapter. Certainly, with um, the likes of Riker, they a few of them moved. On. I mean, they'd had. There was obviously a few lineup changes. The big man went back to Ajax, didn't he? He did go back to Ajax mm. under Louis van Gaal and formed a defensive partnership with Danny Blint, mm. who's another great um, player mm. from from Holland. And it was really fairy tale stuff for Rijkaard. I mean, Ajax went on to win the Dutch league twice, um, but most impressively, he won the Champions League with, with, with yeah. Ajax in 1995, beating Milan in the final with Huge. that brilliant um, young Ajax side. Mm. Glorious. Absolutely glorious. Again, stuff. another one of the really sort of big standout European teams of, sort of yeah. you know, the last 20 years. Big Carney. And they were very uh, close lost, to defending track that. Of time. Very close to defending the trophy. Big Carney yeah. was involved. He was. Yeah. He, he must was. have been, what, 30 at the time? Yeah, yeah. at least. Mm. He's um, playing player coach by that point. <laughs> <laughs> just um, tired now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the man himself. I still really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I still really enjoy it though. <laughs> Roy Card, he did play at Euro '92, and he played his last match for the Netherlands in the quarter-final against Brazil in World Cup at '94. And uh, he hung up those uh, tactical boots of his in 1995, and, and tactically superb on the pitch. And in the dugout as well, Jim. Mm. Wow, well, for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. All right, sorry. Um, Stop the time I play. Is this profile? <laughs> no. Um, no one's getting punched in any lay-bys in this profile. <laughs> <laughs> getting spat, spat in a lay-by still. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, um he has gone to the, to the top as a coach as well. And he was in the coaching staff of the Nationals team under Gus Hiddink. And that's where it kind of started for him. And then he was given the, 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 the national team job for uh, Euro 2000, or a couple of years before that, which was held in Holland and Belgium. And the Dutch played some excellent football in that tournament. It beat um, you know, former Yugoslavia 6-1 on the way to the semi-finals. They were superb, and they were the favourites, them and, and France. You know, And they beat France 3-2 in the group. And they went out to Italy in the semi-final on penalties, which was slightly disappointing, considering... Um, they, they'd had a couple of penalties against Italy in all time and, and Italy yeah, it was 10 a, men such a dramatic game wasn't it they missed it, so many penalties they should, have, they should have got to the final at least at that tournament that was their big chance like you say co-hosts yeah. as well you I know, mean semi-final semi-final's no disgrace but uh, they, they if you're, but to be fair though Marcus if you're Holland mm. and you're hosting a tournament you fancy it oh yeah especially if you're you've, you've been given a couple of penalties in normal time and your, your opposition are down to 10 men yeah hmm um, he resigned straight after that and then he went to Sparta Rotterdam and they were relegated under him so he got the Barter job and he, and, and, and he got the sack and then a year, later he, was given, yeah. a year later he was given the Barter job you imagine that right you're sacked well I'm going to go to Barter anyway yeah whatever just, just take, your, take your parking space and go uh, right then Rotterdam take your parking space <laughs> <laughs> on your back <laughs> Just drill it up and drag it off. So we're Rotterdam, they were just all sitting down. Oh, Champions League's on tonight. Hang on. Yeah. What's he doing there? Hello, is that Barcelona? I will take a job. Have you got room for me to be in my own parking? <laughs> <laughs> we've got loads of them. Um, it is pretty remarkable, though, that he takes the, the, the Dutch national team job and because he was obviously backroom staff. Yeah. So a natural progression. A lot well, of Yogi Love has done that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He did, did okay there. Like I say, probably a little bit disappointed in the end. But did okay. Um, Sparta Rotterdam, you know, had a disaster. Mm. Where do you go from there? Yeah. 
to the bar to Barca. I mean, just it wasn't even a former player. Mm. Yeah, okay. There's a big, there's a strong Dutch link. Uh, I mean, Van Hal perhaps recommended him. I think it was kind of. I mean, the reaction was very much that at the time, wasn't it? It was kind of a laughing stock where he'd got that because Barcelona were in disarray as well. They were. They. I don't think they qualified for the Champions League, had they? For the first time in ages, and they were. Patrick Kluivert was still the main man there then, and it wasn't quite working generally. They just did not click as a Mm. side. So this was seen as a very bizarre move, but it worked so well. Well, he he took over Barcelona in 2003. They hadn't won the league since. 98-99 they hadn't even been runners up since 99-2000 so they, for them that's shocking yeah. behaviour well people who come along the football now young people watching football will find that extremely difficult to believe mm. yeah it wasn't always a two horse race he came along and he has played a huge part in getting Barcelona back to the dizzying heights that they have often been at and of course are at now mm. he was he won the Champions League, he won two league titles, didn't he? Yeah. There, hey, I mean, he used that kind of Dutch system as he knows very well, which Barcelona have a recent history of doing to great effect, using the wings a lot, applying pressure when they don't have the ball, um, as well as playing great attacking football, being very solid at the back. I mean, he really put that back into Barcelona. It's worth noting as well that Rijkaard's Barcelona was spoken about like as if they were, you know, one mm. of the great sides, as if mm. they were sort of, they, they the were clearly the played. best side on the planet at the time by a long long distance and you know, obviously because Guardiola achieved so much, you kind of forget that, but they they'd hit really dizzy heights themselves. It'd be interesting Indeed. to know how much Guardiola then under Rijkaard. That's right. Mm. It didn't it didn't start too well for Rijkaard after no, after a defeat by Real Madrid the fans wanted him to be replaced, but they turned it around. They finished second in 03 and 04. They start to build a team with yeah, Ronaldinho. That Deco. was a huge point, getting Ronaldinho. And Edgar Davids, oh, strangely as well, was coming sort of like in the twilight of his career. Mm. And Rijkaard got him in on loan and it turned them around. It was a really, really canny signing by Rijkaard. That would have been the season, because 03-04 was the season that Beckham went to Real Madrid and they were banging into sort of Galacticos at right. the time, mm. weren't they? Well, you had Deco, Eto came in, Marquez. Um, Eto from Madrid as well, because he oh, was yeah. co-owned with Mallorca and Madrid mm, at some point. Right. That was another difficult Ludovic one that he Julie? pulled off. Yeah, Julie, that was an inspired player. signing. And you had some of the Spanish um, players that we still have now Xavi and Piol um, and then eventually Iniesta and Messi would, would kind of come through um, but they were superb under Riker they really were I mean they became the, the, the first coach I think to win twice at the Bernabeu mm. I think um, they won the league in 04-05 and then the following year they won the league again and the Champions League beating Arsenal in the final Eric Larson, another great signing yes absolutely another really big, clever signing as big well big part in that game as well Rijkaard's won, th- won three champion- or three European Cups and Champions League as a player and one as a manager well, he's the only, the only one of six people to have won the, the, the European Cup or Champions League both as a player and a coach the others are uh, Miguel Munoz uh, Giovanni Trapattoni Johan Cruyff Carlo Ancelotti and Pep Guardiola himself great great company good company mm-hmm. marvellous company um, so uh, you know Barcelona are on top of Europe but after this incredible year in 05 06 they, the, the last few years of or couple of years of, of Rijkaard's reign they didn't quite have the same ruthlessness mm. despite playing wonderful football but that's when you know Henri was there and then Messi started to come in and it was kind of Henri Messi and, and Ronaldinho Deco was a bit was of Eto as well mm. sorry yeah and Eto uh, was, 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 was knocking around um and uh, Xavi, Iniesta and Deco when I saw them they beat Atleti um, 3-0 at the Camp Nou I saw them before Rijkaard left and uh, that was the midfield Deco and, and, and Xavi and Iniesta now you could argue that a lot of it came through Deco 
And I think at the time, Deco started getting a little bit lazy. A mm. bit of a fancy Dan. Ronaldinho was perhaps leading Messi astray going out on the town. And well, there was talk that that was why, was Ronaldinho, why Ronaldinho was sold, yeah. it? because he was starting to lead Messi astray. And so uh, so they got to the top, but, but, but they didn't sustain it. You know, they finished second in the league despite playing glorious football. But um, Rijkaard sold a lot of the seeds for he, what's happening he, now. He did, but, yeah. but what happened was when Guardiola took over... A little bit of discipline had been lost, which is strange because Rakhod did like his discipline mm. and he believed in treating everybody the same. There was no star treatment, mm. which again, Guardiola does that as yeah. well. You know, Barcelona are very much like that, which is one of the reasons why Zlatan didn't, you know, yeah. perhaps gel with uh, some of the players in the dressing room. And and and, and Rijkaard, all that was there for Guardiola to come in, but you needed Guardiola to come in and go right. We need to get rid of some of these players. And also, Guardiola brought in some of the younger Spanish players, more the, the sort of the local talent. You know, Deco going freed up Javi and Iniesta to, yeah. to get forward a bit more and, and express themselves, you know. And, and Busquets was brought in to, to, to be the more holder and that kind of thing. So, Rijkaard, um, I think he had his time, you know. And in, yeah, in 07 08, they lost to Manchester United in the Champions League semi final, that great Paul Scholes goal. Mm. Um, and, and that was that was his last year, really. And his time in charge of Barcelona cannot be underestimated. How important Absolutely. it was for the recent history of that club, and, mm. and, and people need to know that because Guardiola was incredible, but he kind of it, it took on a lot of good work from a man who had dug them out of a hole. Exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, the Shankly to his Paisley. Yeah, damn Absolutely. right. Um, but <laughs> after Barcelona, uh, Rijka went to Galatasaray and didn't do too well there and was sacked. And it was almost as if <laughs> that, that yeah. five years of Barcelona... It's like Big Sam, I can only yeah. do big jobs. <laughs> yeah. it'll, be, it'll be the man Romario wants. Yeah, he will be, yeah. <laughs> sure he will be, yeah. Uh, he then went to coach Saudi Arabia. Um, he's still doing that now. Um, mm. He's still often linked to big jobs in Europe. Yeah, I mean, he's still relatively young, isn't he? Yeah, we're 50 now. 50? Yeah, he's big. We've not heard the last of Rijkaard yet. Yeah, indeed. A sinister end. Sounds like he was, what's he going to do, fire a missile out of a volcano? I can't tell you. Yeah. He's going to spit out a volcano. But I did like this. When the Daily Telegraph fairly recently described Rijkaard, the footballer, as a stylish player of faultless pedigree. Mm. And in he comes to the Dingwind Dash Hall of Fame. Right card, ladies and gentlemen. Right then, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the Football Ramble for this week. If you want to get in touch, the email address is show at thefootballramble.com, the Twitter is at footballramble, and the website is thefootballramble.com. Yeah, loads uh, more more things up there, as, as always, refreshing with new content every single You've day. You've been meeting people. Yeah, Ramble Meets, mm. that's a little video feature I've been doing. The most recent one is um, the, the most recent winner of the QPR Fans Player and Players Player of the Year Award, Clint Hill who very kindly invited him. He's loved down there at Loftus Road. Mm. He is. Absolutely he, he loved. He kindly invited me to his house and we chatted a bit of football, a bit about the last day of the season, a bit about other things that he's achieved in his career. Did you talk to him about my suggestion for a feature? Clint Hill takes pills. No, it's we not. We just give him he's, pills every week he's and not, he's not he doesn't know what they are. Um, and we just chart the results. He's, no? he's a professional. I was going to say, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't think just all the club. Uh, bring it up. Maybe just, it was when he retires. Just see him. what he thinks. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> I will do. I will do. Yeah. yeah. If he chins me though, I would have come up and say, "I told you so." But anyway, but well, then you can chin me. Just pass it on. We got uh, we got a lot more of that sort of stuff coming along. Um, See, so Ramble Meets is a regular video feature, which will happen uh, again next week. Marvellous stuff. Yeah, I've got one last little plug for my show at the Soho Theatre, 25th of September, which will be probably tomorrow when the show comes out, I would imagine. So, yeah, that's uh, go to the Soho Theatre website if you want to get tickets. It starts at 7.30pm. It's me doing half an hour of my Smash Edinburgh show. (laughs) It's very funny. So a little bird told me. Uh, Right, that's it. Say goodbye, Luke. 
You will see me again. Say goodbye, Jim. You have not heard the last of me. That is goodbye from me. We'll be back next week with Pete. Um, Southampton beat Aston Villa. Oh, oh that was a joy. They it's, were excellent. It, they, they, well, we talked about this. They have had a, a bad start because they've had an awful run of fixtures. But suddenly the, the, there was the parting of the old thing and the, Aston Villa were the, on the end of the big one. Villa should... <laughs> I'll do that again because that was dreadful. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> really was. I just tied myself up in knots and knots and knots. Go for that at the end. Go for that at the end. <laughs> 